Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash Sirius XM. Scared to Death is explicit in every way. Please take care while listening. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that has no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hello, Dan. I'm Lindsay. You are Lindsay. I am. Uh, thank you to everybody uh, for all the recent ratings and reviews, and to Spotify for featuring one of our episodes on a list of the best scary and funny episodes on uh, Spotify for Halloween, and also showcasing the podcast itself on a list of the best podcasts for Halloween. Yay! We were in some really good company over there. Yeah, very cool. So, um, oh, and also happy birthday to Lindsay, recording this ahead of time, but Lindsay turns 40 on the 11th. Shh. So show her some love on social media if you get a chance. Very I'm excited. Ex- yeah, you are excited. Yeah, I've had no like teary moments or anything. Yeah. Pretty pumped. Let's I'm, go. I'm excited to celebrate my favorite non-kid human on the planet. Yeah, no, that sounds right. Yeah, my favorite chosen person. Yeah. Yeah, I love you very much. You're my favorite grown-up. <laughs> and then I know you have some words on the Bad Magic Giving Tree, and then we're off into the horror story. Sorry, I thought we were you were oh talking about this. Yes, sorry. Uh, yes, I did also want to mention... Logan's new challenge coin at badmagicmerch.com. It is so, so cool. I know the details are really incredible. I know a fair amount about challenge coins now as we have about 200 here at the office. Probably more than that, honestly. Yeah, yeah, maybe more than that, actually. And this, uh, definitely one of my favorites. Like, this is a badass, heavy challenge coin. It's really cool. And real uh, spooky looking in the best of ways. Spooky. So yeah, good job, Logan. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Okay, and then um, we will get to the charity announcement later this month, but mm-hmm. we have some other stuff that we have to prepare for, and so I wanted to talk about the Giving Tree. It's that time of year, if you can even believe it, um, and this is the fifth time we're doing this. Wow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's so, so cool. cool. Yeah, I'm so proud of our community for coming together. So again, you know, this is our community coming together to give back to our own community, and I just want to remind you of that. We'll be taking the whatever the... We'll do some math and we'll figure out what the December Patreon donation is going to be, get some approximate numbers based on the year. Mm -hmm. And that whole amount will go towards the giving tree. And then as in years past, if you, the fans, would like to donate on top of that, any fans, patron or not, uh, whatever you guys donate in addition to the Patreon money, Dan and I will match dollar for dollar up to 
thirteen thousand dollars. So yep. um, that that you know the the Patreon donation should be about thirteen. That's how we get the number thirteen, and then we'll just match it. If you guys collectively as a community donate ten, then we'll put in ten. Like that's how that works. Um, and as in years past, the only way we're accepting financial contributions is through Amazon. I don't want to get into the specifics of it. It's a tax situation um, because we're not a nonprofit. We have to be specific about how we donate this money, give this money, use this money. Uh, so what you're going to do is if you want to donate money specifically to the giving tree, you're going to go to amazon.com and you're going to purchase a gift card for Amazon. And when you fill out the box, it says like, you know, who are you sending this to? You're going to put in the email address givingtree2023 at Bad Magic Productions. And all of this is going to be in today's episode description yeah. and will live in the episode descriptions for the remainder of the month uh, so that, you know, you can you can do that whenever you want. Uh, we would ask that any donations that you're going to make, have them in by November 21st um, because that's when we're also going to be taking applications. So on Tuesday, November 21st at 12 noon Pacific time, you'll be able to go to badmagicmerch.com and you will see, it'll be very obvious, there'll be a banner, click on it to submit your family. Um, as everybody knows, finances are tighter this year than they've been in years past. I mean, we're all feeling it. Um, so this year, we're going to be able to help 30 families, 3-0. And it went really fast last year. And the reason that we do it this way, just in case you're new here, is because previously, we would have hundreds, if not thousands of people sending in like a, a request for help. And it is a brutal, emotional process. And quite frankly, not fair to just like say who deserves it. So this is just the first 30 people that get there that need the help. That's who gets it. It keeps it clean. It keeps it from being um, favoritism or I, I don't know. How do you decide something like that when someone says they need help? How do you decide one person needs it more than the other? That's not up to us to decide. So 30 families will be chosen on Tuesday, November 21st at 12 noon Pacific time at badmagicmerch.com. Again, all of these details will be in the episode description. And if you're confused about any of it, uh, I man this. St. Joan does the shopping with me. And uh, you can email me at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. And I will be able to reiterate all of this to you in any way that I can help. Great. And thanks for listening. I know that's a lot of words. <laughs> it's, it's a lot I to know, explain. I know. It's a lot to explain. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, going forward, just read the episode description. It'll all be in there. Yep, yep, yep. Um, how many stories do you have? I actually just have one big story this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about a, p a potential alien abduction. Ooh, we don't really get many of those from the fans. No, we don't. The few and far between, and I, I don't like them, but I like them. <laughs> uh, for my two this week, I have a ghost from Korean horror lore that many people claim to be much more than an urban legend. And then we'll get a little Lovecraftian, explore a oh. mystery that revolves around the possibility of horrible things that can live in the ocean depths. Uh, so you're feeling safe and protected in a cozy blanket and some comfy socks? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to TBD it on the blanket. It's quite hot in this room. Yeah, warmed up uh, this afternoon. But look at these socks. G-T-F-O-H. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> these are like the most are appropriate perfect. socks. Yes, big thanks to Mike and Jessica Orns uh, in Buffalo, New York, who yeah. handed these. I don't know how they got them to you, but they somehow got them off to Dan, sent to the green room. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. And sorry I wasn't there to get them myself. Yeah, thank you. And here we go. Here we go. Okay, I love South Korean horror. Uh, and I recently realized it had been quite a while since we'd returned to South Korea to get some of their special brand of scares. I was worried that we'd already kind of tapped uh, into all of their best urban legends that people claim are not just legends, but actual entities they have personally encountered. But then poking around online, I was happy to discover there are still all kinds of legends and reported sightings of disturbing entities we have yet to discuss. So here's one of hopefully many, many more to come. 
Time now for the tale of the Jairo Road Ghost. Sightings of this entity have taken place for years now on Jairo, a major north-south highway connecting Seoul to Paju in the Gyeonggi-do province. Well done. Rumors began to spread back in 2004 that if you drive on Jairo in the middle of the night, you may encounter what first appears to be a lone woman with dark hair flowing down near her waist, wearing a long coat and standing perfectly still, staring straight ahead at you from the middle of the road. Many people have testified that at first, it appears as if the woman is wearing sunglasses. However, as they got closer, they could see that she wasn't wearing anything extra on her face. In fact, she was missing something. There were black pits where her eyes should have been. Adding to the eeriness of her sightings, where she has been spotted near the Han River and Ilsan Lake Park is poorly lit and often often blanketed in thick fog. Interest in this entity picked up substantially, and there was a huge influx of reported sightings years after the original encounters when several South Korean celebrities, such as actress Park Shin Ye and Park Hee Jin and former K-pop star and television host uh, Tak Jae-hoon, began sharing their various run-ins with the spirit of this woman on a variety of South Korean television programs. After their very public claims, others soon shared how they had also seen the same apparition. But then not all of them saw her standing in the middle of the road. Some reported that she was seen standing off to the side of the road, waving to those who had witnessed her, appearing to be hoping to catch a ride. After years of these reports, the South Korean TV station, TVN, called in an exorcist to help explain this phenomenon and viewers were told that this apparition was the spirit of a woman in her 20s who had been strangled and killed close to the location where she kept being spotted. But how does that explain what happened to her eyes? Also following reports of her appearing to be uh, trying to catch a ride, a few accounts surfaced of people claiming to have actually picked her up. Oh no. Yeah, One man said he was driving back from a dinner party, looked away from the road for just a second. Then when he looked back up, he now saw the woman standing along the highway in the fog and nearly ran her over. He said he thought she looked shaken up like she had just escaped from an accident. When he pulled over, she did not appear to be a spirit in any way. Her eyes looked completely normal. She asked him if he could give her a ride home. He said that wouldn't be a problem. Put the address she gave him into his navigation system and off they went. This man didn't give details as to her overall mood, demeanor, how much they talked, but he did say that they talked and that when they pulled up to the destination, it was not a home, it was a cemetery. When he began to ask her if she had given him the wrong number, he said she turned to face him, and suddenly where her eyes were, now there were only those eerie dark pits. As he screamed in horror, she disappeared. His intense claim mirrors the claims of others. The following man's story provides more details of one of these similar encounters. A freight delivery driver named Hee Chan Huang called in a South Korean radio station or called into one, uh, KBS One, several years ago as Halloween approached and the host asked for listeners to share their spookiest encounters. Halloween is actually not a traditional holiday in South Korea, but as more and more young Koreans have traveled to Western nations in the past few decades and then came back home to live in Korea, they brought the holiday back with them and it's picked up a lot of cultural momentum and is celebrated by more and more people. Huang said that he regularly drove overnight from Seoul to Paju bringing uh, fresh seafood to a variety of restaurants throughout the week. He talked about having done the drive hundreds of times, how he had never seen anything unusual, only ever getting nervous previously about the drive due to bad weather thanks to either snow or fog. But now he said he'd been having what felt like panic attacks over dreading having to keep make the drive or keep making the drive, and that he was trying to decide if he could truly get over what had happened to him with time 
or if he needed to find a new job somewhere else, one that did not include nighttime drives. Like the man in the previous encounter, when he said he saw the Jayu Road ghost, she was standing on the side of the road in some fog. And while he found it unusual for her to be out alone along a remote section of the highway, he certainly didn't think of the paranormal when he saw her. She just seemed like a woman who needed help, and he pulled over. He found it odd how when he rolled down his window and asked her if she needed a ride, she shook her head yes, but then did not get in. He worried that something truly terrible must have happened to her. He got out of his delivery van, walked around, opened the door for her, and she climbed in. When the experience was all over, he would realize she never actually touched or physically interacted with anything. He could see her, obviously, and he could hear her, but he believes uh, if he would have tried to touch her, his hand would have just passed right through her. Once inside, they started driving, and she barely spoke. He asked her where she was heading, and she gave him the same address she had given to the previous man, the cemetery. Again, just like the other man, he didn't know it would be a cemetery as he drove there. He just entered the address in and drove. When he asked her if she was okay, she silently shook her head yes. He asked if something had happened to her. Again, she nodded yes. But she shook her head no when asked if she needed to go to the police or a hospital. When asked what had happened to her, he started to get spooked. Now she said, he killed me. Killed you? He repeated, hoping he had misheard her. He killed me, she said again, clearly, before adding, he must be punished. He did not like the way she said that or the way she looked at him while she said it. She looked and only later would he realize how appropriate this description was, haunted. Word that she was very mentally ill and wondering if he should take her to the hospital rather than to whatever address she'd given him, he asked in the calmest voice he could manage as she continued to stare at him, who killed you? She only repeated, he killed me. He must be punished. Hiding his concern as best he could, he shook his head yes and told her, yes, yes, he must be punished. She smiled at that. Now he focused on the road and they said nothing for the next 20 or so minutes that it took to make it to the address. Huang vacillated back and forth in his mind between thoughts of wishing he would have just never picked her up and thoughts of driving her straight to a police station or hospital. Once they made it to the cemetery, Huang grew more nervous. Uh, what was going on? Why would she know the address to a cemetery? And why uh, would she want to be taken to one alone in the middle of the night? He told her, Miss, I'm worried about you. I don't think this is a good place to drop you off alone at night. Are you sure you gave me the right address? And again, she only repeated, he killed me. He must be punished. This gave him the chills. He asked, how about I take you to the police? You can talk to them about this man. Again, he killed me. He must be punished. Yes, he told her, trying to stay calm and not upset her. He must be punished. The police will be the best ones to do that. When she didn't object, he started to back up his van to turn around, head towards a police station he knew of nearby. He killed me. He must be punished. Startled, he shouted back at her. Miss, you need professional attention, he began, but she interrupted him with, he killed me. He must be punished. I can't just leave you here. You need to. Now, instead of repeating her refrain, she roared in anger. And as she did, her eyes transformed into the black pits others have witnessed. He screamed as he slammed on his brakes, threw his van in park, jumped out, leaving the door open as he did so. What was she? What had he been sitting next to in his van? After running about 20 or 30 feet away, he said he stopped, turned around. She was now flying towards him from the van, arms outstretched in front of her, face filled with rage, screaming again. He threw his arms up in front of his face, closed his eyes, turned his head, kind of braced for impact. And then instead of feeling any impact from her, he just felt a burst of cold air kind of push through him. And then he peeked his eyes open and she was gone. He spun around trying to spot her, but she was nowhere. 
After a few more minutes of scanning the whole area, he jumped back inside his van and sped away, and that was it. The radio host asked him if he thought about exploring the cemetery for her spirit, seeing if he could spot her near a grave that was maybe her grave in life in an attempt to figure out who she was. Nope, he said he did not consider that. He was terrified, just wanted to get as far away from her as possible and never see her again. And that was it. Another supposed encounter with an entity that continues to be witnessed to this day. The Jayu Road Ghost. Uh, Jayu Ro Ghost. I think actually Ro is Korean for road. Oh. So it's kind of weird to say Jayu Ro Road Ghosts, but that's how it's written a lot of times. Uh, who was she? Was she really a woman in her 20s who had been strangled and killed close to the location where she keeps being spotted? Is her killer still on the loose? And if he is ever found and punished, will she then finally disappear and move on? Hi. I did wonder for a moment if actually yeah. he was dead, if that's why she wanted to go to the cemetery. If she wanted to like, she didn't know that he was dead and like was like drawn to like his, like the guy who killed oh, her. Who, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, I'm like, is he in the cemetery already? Mm. Is she yeah. in the cemetery? Like, it doesn't seem like anybody thinks that she's, that her body's buried at the cemetery. At least it didn't say that. Yeah, well, I, I think there's like maybe speculation. Yeah, they didn't say that explicitly. I, I think. That's my assumption is that she or she's there somewhere. Maybe it's like, you know, like her remains, but like who knows who she is? Like if no yeah. one's following her to the tombstone, I know there's no way there's no name given. You well, know? And God knows how many like names are in the cemetery. So oh, yeah, it could be a huge cemetery with like Although a you could, thousand different graves. You could probably narrow. Like, okay. Some good sleuthing. Yeah, you probably you could it narrow it down by like age mm. stories in this area yeah. of like women, you women around this age that were murdered. Yeah. 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 I wonder, is that the only thing she can say? Because she doesn't, yeah. I don't, she says like, yes, no. Yeah the, fir- yeah, the first guy, he had, I would think like the, that first encounter I found on a variety of little like um, websites and, but it's just like, there's not a ton of details given, but it just said that they talked. Yeah. But I would, yeah. but I think he would, I, I would think it would be included in that encounter if she was just saying this creepy shit over and over again. That would be so terrifying. Just <laughs> it would. That, just repetitive. Also, I mean, who, why are we picking up hitchhikers? Okay, I will say, as a, a guy, if you're feeling like, if you feel like somewhat protective, if you're driving down a highway, if I was driving down a highway and it was like some you saw young, me? yeah, yeah, if I saw you, but yeah, but truly, if I saw some like young woman yeah. who, who looked like shaken up, yeah, I, I would feel pretty shitty just speeding on by. I did feel pretty shitty like last week. I don't know where Monroe and I were going. Yeah. But I was getting on the freeway and there was like an older woman, like not yeah. older, older, not like 80, not like, not like somebody who looked like she had dementia and had like kind of like snuck out. Right. But like a woman like who looked like she had lived a hard life who was in like her 60s. I saw her too. You did. But but I saw her during the day. It looked like she was just trying to get to like the next place. I know. It wasn't that cold out when I saw her. So like to me, that's different than if I was driving past that lady mm-hmm. outside of town, because it's like where she's being spotted mm-hmm. isn't in an urban area. It's in between urban areas. Right. So like if I was driving to like Montana, it's two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, overnight freight delivery driver. And that lady is just like by herself and also looks like shooken up. Yeah. Uh, I'd want to like at least like pull over, stay with her while I call the police. I think it, that's it, the move. Yeah, not necessarily give a ride, but like, hey, um, we're going to get help. We're going to have somebody come and like pick you up. Yeah. And, you know, don't want something to happen to you between now and then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because when I saw that older lady here in town, she did have, she looked clean. Yeah. And she had like, you know, a backpack of stuff. Like, you know, I I didn't get the feeling that she was like in distress. Yes, just, yes. Just uh-huh, not uh-huh. an ideal situation, but she didn't mm-hmm. look like she was trying to make her way out of an abusive situation type of thing, which I think is what you're insinuating yep, exactly. that you'd be worried about that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. It doesn't sound like this ghost is dangerous either. No, I mean, uh, freaks, angry. freaks people out. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Doesn't sound, it doesn't seem like the anger is directed at anybody, but it's like, yeah, I think that's a fairly common thing where um, there's going to be, if some kind of strong emotion is what led you to staying in this realm, like a, like a brutal murder and you are, you know, furious at the injustice or whatever, which seems to be a trope amongst these kind of ghost stories, mm-hmm. it would make sense that like, if you're, if someone is not, following your instructions like you're trying your best to communicate yeah i want this person found but you can't get the right words out or whatever and then the person's not doing what you want it makes sense that there would be anger yeah just like an angry toddler (laughs) yeah yeah like a tantrum yeah yeah Mm -hmm. then i was just thinking i just recently drove to seattle and back in a day with monroe during of course it was like a winter weather advisory i couldn't believe it It was so obnoxious Uh but coming back the girls like immediately went to sleep in the backseat of the car Mm-hmm. And I was going over the Snoqualmie Pass, and all of these stories just came flooding back <laughs> into my brain. It was, yeah. it is dark. It is so dark on that pass. I have never driven that yeah. pass before, and I was like, "Holy, f- my God! It's so dark, so yep. dark." Yep. And I was essentially, I wouldn't say I was the only car on the road, but definitely for stretches, there wouldn't be another mm-hmm. vehicle around. And then when there would be another vehicle, it would be a giant. Uh, semi, you know, yeah. and those to me driving next to a, a semi is like always a little nerve wracking. Anyways, I mean, not that I've ever seen one crash, but they do happen. They do lose control. Yeah, anybody can wreck. Exactly, and uh-huh. then like you know, it kind of like pulls your car a little bit. So now it's like raining. It's like thirty three degrees. It is like a rain, snow slush situation. There's no black ice, but there are like pockets in the road that are full of water. I haven't hydroplaned, but it's like definitely conditions where you would. Yeah. And I'm like going by these big semis and they're kicking up stuff and there's fog. And every, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes, my heart would end up in my stomach. So I'd be like, oh my God, what was that? Mm, Yeah. I was like, okay, just, that was nothing. That was literally nothing. You didn't see anything. And more than likely it was just like fog. And then like the way the wind blows. light, yeah. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> but if I'm out in conditions like that, because they were talking about, you know, driving, yeah. you know, these long haul drivers, and I actually see something, th- there's not a chance in hell I'm stopping. Totally. I am so scared. Yeah. Like male, female, that yeah. has nothing to do with it. I am just so scared. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. scared just driving 40 miles per hour when I should have been going 70 over the past. And yeah, it is dangerous. I mean, I do think like, I, I hate this about like, you know, some people, but it's like, you know, I'm sure there's been instances of like, let's say a woman standing there, yeah. but she's the lure for uh, somebody else or not that, not that women can't be aggressive perpetrators of crimes because totally. they can, Absolutely, so, they can. you know, and anybody also, can have a gun or whatever. And, well, and people can be desperate. Yeah. They, Pe- they, people can be strung, strung out. out. I yeah. know there's so many, so many things. I know. Do you have pictures to go with this? I do. I do. This first one is someone's attempt at photoshopping what they think the uh, Jayuro ghost looks like. Oh my God. Most common photo of this thing. Or, you know, you know, uh, altered Recreation, photo. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, that looks like a whole person that doesn't look ghosty. That looks like a, and that looks like Monroe yeah. or one of her girlfriends on the side of the road, like a young, cute girl. Well, that's the, re- that's the report on this is like the, the sightings is that no one thinks it's a ghost at first. It looks very, very much like a real person. Yeah. And, and it looks like a, a young woman Longer hair, wearing this, um, described as either a long coat or a dress. Yeah, I mean, here she's wearing like a little slip dress. Uh Uh-huh, but like, you know, a long, yeah, long one. And then uh, wearing sunglasses, what what look like sunglasses from a distance. Uh And then then right when you get close, it's like, no, just pits where the eyes should be. Mm -hmm. And this picture in particular, they've done a good job where it almost just looks like her hair is blowing across her face. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I just see darkness where eyes should be, but I also don't see sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, this next one, a uh, collage of interpretations of this ghost from a Korean blog called Korean Net, Korean uh, etblog.blogspot.com. I mean, yeah, mm. it's creepy. And then finally, <laughs> I thought this was just funny, but I was trying to find more pictures. This is some apparently pretty horny person's take on this oh. same spirit. This is from deviantart.com. Um, and at first I was like, it was a little photo, like the preview. And I was like, what is going on with her shoulder? And I'm like, oh, those are giant boobs. And then this user, uh, this I, is not a great picture. No, this user, I L A G E A T E R. I looked and they, you know, they do tons of illustrations. 90% of them, huge boobs, <laughs> like preposterously big it's like backbreakers, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> like boobs where you're like, you probably gonna need surgery. You're going to need a reduction. Well, yeah, she's already bent spine. over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, already she, hunched. She has, of, like, she has a lot of migraines, a lot of uh, yeah, back pain. This uh, this photo, she's not sexual in any other way. Like she's her body. Mm-hmm. Take away her head and her boobs, and she's like a very masculine kind of body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's this a, is a weird. It is weird. It's a weird photo. But that was uh, they were familiar with Jayu Jayuro ghosts, and that was their interpretation. Okay. <laughs> what is she standing next to? Uh, I don't know. The suitcase is behind her. Oh, she's she's uh, you know she's ready to it's be. Not, it's up. not great, you guys. No, no. I just thought it was funny. Um, are you ready to move on from South Korea? Head to somewhere along one of the coasts of America. They didn't say. Oh, sure. I would love to. Take me away, Calgon. Before we move on to more scares, we need to take a quick in-between story sponsor break. Please take advantage of these sponsor deals. Thanks for listening to those deals, creeps and peepers. Okay, the following has been adapted from an online forum post uh, to be more suited for storytelling instead of just like the beats. So, you know, smooth that a bit. A little bit of story setup before getting into the scary parts. Sean hadn't thought that he'd stick with the Coast Guard for more than his minimum enlistment. At the time he'd enlisted, it just seemed like a good way to get out of his shitty, dying, three-stoplight town. A ticket to someplace better than he could imagine would come from working at the McDonald's or the Sonic just off of the highway. But as it turned out, he really loved it. After his first assignment on a 210-foot cutter in Oregon, he discovered that the Coast Guard gave him structure, skills, and community and he was able to travel to countries he never would have seen otherwise. He had now fought fires, presented a flag to a grieving mother, saved a sinking fishing boat, or a sinking fishing boat, all experiences that deeply left their mark on him forever in some way or another, connecting him to people in ways he never would have previously imagined. When he finally retired at almost 40, after a full 20 years of service, he knew he wanted to keep working in search and rescue. That was always the most meaningful part of the job for him actually saving lives, whether the vessel was a private yacht or a massive commercial boat. Soon after getting a part-time job at a marina, he also joined a search and rescue group as a volunteer, working a couple shifts a month, especially the overnights. A natural insomniac, he was happy to sit by the radio all night while his co-workers caught some shut-eye, and usually nothing happened. In the sleepy bay where most of the activity were small-scale fishermen headed out to enjoy the nice weather and catch what they could, returning home by midday. That was until the storm. Time now for the tale of the Leviathan. It wasn't unusual for the area to get their hurricanes, but this one looked like it was going to be a real doozy. Category four, a screaming whirlwind of water and heat headed right for them. Sean took up his post at the volunteer site and privately wondered who would be crazy enough to go out in that weather. No matter how bad it would get, there was always someone. Mm -hmm. Someone who thought they were larger than life, a god of sorts who believed that they could conquer the elements. A fool, in other words. Someone who didn't really understand the true power of the ocean, what it could give you, and what it could just as easily take away. 
if it pulled you into its mysterious depths. He was on, uh, he was on, he was on the harbor, excuse me, in their administrative building with his coworkers, an engineer named Talia and a former fisherman named Greg. When the storm hit and the power flickered out. And now, Talia said, her eyes narrowed as she stared at the radio, still powered by the generator. We wait. We wait, Sean agreed. But as the rain battered the roof and the hours wore on, no distress, no distress signals came in. Talia fell asleep, her arms cradling her head as she leaned over the desk, and Greg was playing some kind of game on his phone. The little beeps growing fainter and fainter as Sean's eyes grew heavier. When he woke up, the radio was beeping. I knew it, Talia said, instantly waking up. There's always one. The distress signal came via an emergency position indicating radio beacon, which allowed Sean to quickly look uh, up who it belonged to. Breland Frisk. Breland Frisk. I can't talk to you. Uh, Greg repeated, eyes narrowed. What do you want to bet he's a billionaire who came down for a long weekend, decided, fuck the storm, I'm going to go out anyway, and now he's expecting the tax dollars to pay for his rescue. Talia rolled her eyes. But she was already standing and grabbing the keys. I'm not taking that bet, Greg laughed. As they looked up, Sean spared a look at the sky. It was clear the storm had passed. And now the night had that eerie stillness that only comes after storms, when everything seemed suspended. Shaking his head, Sean hopped in the boat as Talia began to head out to the harbor. Soon they were out in a vast black expanse. Since the power had gone out on the shore, there were no lights to guide them back to the land, and their headlight illuminated only inky black water. You couldn't tell visually where the water ended and the sky began. It was all pitch dark. Sean found himself thinking of the few times he'd ever been truly scared out on the ocean. When he'd seen things that either no one could explain or things he wasn't sure he wanted explained. Unknown sounds on the sonar, a human skeleton once, a giant floating wooden crucifix. Another time while on a dive, a perfectly intact human finger floated right by him, still impeccably manicured. Usually it made him feel peaceful to be away from society to get a chance to clear his head, but tonight the darkness felt claustrophobic, pressing in on them from all sides. Like at any moment, the water might rear up, swallow them, and drag them down. Spooky, Talia said as though reading his mind. Very spooky, Sean agreed. Let's hope this Breland guy has a generator or flares. Otherwise, we're going to have a hell of a time finding him. Maybe we should leave him out here just a little longer, Greg suggested. Just freak him out. In all of Sean's time at this facility, he'd only gone on maybe one or two rescue missions that had been actually frightening. And those had been because of malfunctions on the boat. Every other time, they'd gotten back to shore quickly with a group of people still in their bikinis and cutoffs or whatever from their boat party or fishing trip, rattled, but perfectly fine. Still, this night, he felt off, anxious. Up ahead, Talia called. You were right about the light, Sean. Sean expected to see a flare or the glimmering of phone screens, but instead, he saw that every light on the yacht was on, spilling golden shimmers onto the pitch black water. It was eerie to see it there. And as Talia shifted gears, slowing for their approach, Sean had the unexpected thought that they should turn away. Actually, the thought was, this isn't for us. But that didn't make any sense. It was for them. They were the rescuers. Search and rescue! Greg called out loudly through a megaphone, startling Sean. Can you hear us? There was no answer. I'll bet they're in the master's suite, trembling and shaking. Talia laughed, preparing the rope that would allow them to board. Sean understood what she meant about the master suite. This boat was huge, easily 10 times the size of theirs. Sean hadn't seen any boats like that at the marina before. Where'd it come from? Shaking off the thought, Sean followed Talia as she climbed aboard, Greg bringing up the rear. 
Sean was trying to shake his nervous thoughts, but he just couldn't. There didn't seem to be anything wrong with the boat. There weren't any people in the water. He couldn't hear any people on the boat. What was going on? Aha! It was Talia's voice, and Sean spun around, but she'd only found the door. Let's see these rich fucks. She muttered, then turned uh, on a professional, I'm here to rescue you expression as she swung open the door. But there wasn't anyone inside either. Sean's eyes swept around the room, a dining room by the looks of it, and came up with plenty of evidence for people just having been there. Glasses on the table, sweating with condensation, a couple of appetizer-sized plates scattered around, the forks placed down gently as though the occupants would be turning in would be returning in a moment. We're sure the distress signal came from here, right? Sean said, laughing a little nervously. I mean, I don't want to walk in on anyone doing the do, you know. Positive, Talia replied, eyes narrowed at the plates. But I get what you're saying. This is weird as fuck. Weird as fuck, Sean agreed. He strained to hear something, anything, the sound of voices, music, that would give a clue to where the boat's inhabitants were. Usually people were clamoring to, re uh, to reach search and rescue if they were in trouble. And the fact that they were hiding made Sean think of other possibilities. Like that maybe they're drug runners or involved in some other type of crime. Or there was, of course, another possibility, the darkest one. One that Sean did not want to think about. Come on, Talia said, shrugging. Let's head further in. Copy, Sean replied. Greg, what do you think? But Greg wasn't there. Sean could have sworn that Greg was right behind him, but when he spun around, there was nobody. Peering out the window, Sean saw that their boat was still tied to the yacht, but Greg didn't seem to be on it. He had just disappeared. That fucking fisherman, Talia said, shaking her head, always thinks that his bullshit seafaring wisdom beats protocol. Raising her voice, she called out, Greg! Greg, are you there, you asshole? No answer. Just the wind whipping around the ship, picking up a little, Sean thought. He wondered if the yacht was anchored, or if they were drifting further out to sea. That thought made him shiver. Maybe he went back onto the deck and found another way down? Talia suggested, her voice going thin at the end of the question, like she didn't believe herself either. I guess we have to keep going, right? No part of Sean wanted to keep going. Every instinct in his body was telling him to get out, except for the fact that this was why he volunteered to save people, to help rescue them. If he turned his back on them now, what kind of person would he be? Yeah, he said with more intentionality than he actually felt. Let's go. They proceeded down a narrow hallway. To their left and right, Sean assumed were bedrooms, but after knocking on them, nobody answered, so they kept going. At the end of the hallway was the stern of the yacht, the windowed room where the captain steered from. Nobody was in there, but Sean spotted a stack of papers by the wheel and went over. It was the ship's log. This is so crazy, Talia said, peering out of one of the windows. This thing has got to hold over a hundred people, and what do you bet they only brought a small crew and a couple of their closest, richest friends? I mean, can you imagine having that kind of money? I can barely pay back my student loans. This would be chump change for these guys. They probably spend more on dog food than I spend on myself. Where is the crew, by the way? Sean wasn't paying attention. His eyes were fixed on the log. Talia, Sean said his voice thick, they left after the storm. What? She turned to face him, her eyes narrowed in confusion. That doesn't make any sense. He pointed at the GPS log. They left at three. The storm was over by 1.30. So... They're not idiots, Talia said. They're, they're... A crash at the other end of the boat made them both snap up to attention. Sean couldn't be sure, but it sounded like it came from the area they'd walked into first, the dining room. Suddenly, he wished he had had some sort of form of self-protection on him that wasn't just a knife strapped to his belt. That was a fine knife for cutting ropes and getting people untangled, but right now, he wanted a gun. Something with range. 
Come on, Talia said, trying to sound more assured than she felt. That could be Greg. For some reason, Sean hoped it wasn't, even though that thought made zero sense. Greg! Talia called as they made their way down the hallway. The lights in the hallway were dimmer now. Maybe the generator was running low on fuel, Sean thought. Greg, I swear to God, if you do anything... As they arrived in the main room, Sean looked around. Everything seemed as it was before. The place still in a light, mid-party disarray. Greg! Talia called. Then she turned to Sean. I'm, I'm going down to the boat. Maybe, maybe he fell off or something. Greg, an experienced fisherman, fall off the boat in perfectly calm water? The idea seemed absurd. But before Sean could protest, Talia had hopped out of the door and was headed down. He heard the boat rocking in the water, its bump against the yacht. And then, nothing. Talia! Sean called. Talia! He knew that if Talia were there, she would have shouted something back, that she'd found Greg or hadn't, that this night sucked anything, unless Sean thought she couldn't speak for some reason. Gripping his knife, he went out of the dining room to the rope they'd thrown over minutes before and looked down. The boat was bobbing there. No sign of Greg or Talia. He opened his mouth to call out for them, then thought maybe it was better not to yell. Stepping carefully, he lowered himself into the boat and immediately walked to the stern, one hand gripping the steering wheel in case he had to move the boat quickly. He really, really didn't want to leave Talia and Greg there, but he wasn't sure they were still there either. With one hand, he flipped on the sonar. Staticky, it came to life, showing the area around the boat in concentric, concentric circles. The depth registered 200 feet, but then it changed. Suddenly it said, just eight feet. Then it went back to 200, and then back to eight. Sean thought about how the sonar system used little chirps bouncing off the seafloor to measure the depth of the water, unless it couldn't bounce off the seafloor because something else was in its way. There was something underneath him, moving around. Something very big. Something circling him very slowly. Sean suddenly realized how tiny he was, how tiny the boat was, how tiny the yacht would look to such an entity. But part of Sean still held out that it was just a glitch just a malfunction in the sonar. Carefully, carefully he crept over to the side of the boat and squinted down into the darkness, hoping against hope to see some dark mass swirling beneath the boat, or maybe nothing at all. Suddenly a high-pitched scream rang out and Talia's face appeared in the water just a few inches beneath the surface, mouth open in a frozen expression of utter horror. The bottom of the boat started rocking back and forth, back and forth, and as Sean watched, horrified, Greg's face appeared too, frozen the same way as Talia's. The strange scream seemed to amplify, growing louder and louder and louder until Sean was covering his ears, and then all of the screaming stopped, and the water was still. The faces pulled back down into the depths. Then the water started churning and churning and churning into a massive whirlpool, as though to swallow everything, boats included whole. Snapping out of his paralysis, Sean launched himself across the boat and grabbed the wheel. He sped faster and faster, completely ignoring the boat's limits, pushing the gas pedal as hard as he could, smacking into waves so hard it sent currents of shock through his body. He didn't care. He had to get away from that thing, whatever the fuck it was. Only when he reached the shore did he dare look back. For a moment, he saw the gold lights of the yacht reflecting on the water. And then they blinked out of existence. And all there was was darkness. He'd stay on the shore all night, watching the spot where the boat was until the sun came up, hoping and praying that his friends somehow made it out. But of course they didn't. Officially, their disappearances would go down as a tragic accident during a hurricane search and rescue. But Sean knew the truth of how the timing worked out. It was long past the hurricane. And for the boat they tried to rescue, he would never learn who supposedly was on it or where it had come from. The name given was fake. So many mysteries about that night. 
the biggest one remains what he saw on the sonar. Maybe the storm stirred up a massive creature that was out there, waking it from some kind of slumber. And maybe it was still out there. Well, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Blech. Little sea monster tail. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Little sea monster claim. I uh, I was immediately thinking about White Lotus. And just like, oh, the, like yeah. the final, I don't want to give anything yeah, away if you're not caught it. up on season two, but I was thinking of the final mm-hmm. episode yep. on the boot. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's a fun story. Yeah, just something different. I mean, I, I uh, those kind of stories freak me out. Because you're afraid of the water anyways? Just like dark water freaks me out, but like nothing scares me uh, water-wise more than dark ocean water. Well, yeah, the ocean. Fuck, it creeps me out. I'm not really worried about dark lake. I don't like dark. I don't like dark anything water. I know, but at least like the lake to me, it's like, well, you know, there's not any, there's not a creature in the lake that can kill you. Not a living creature. We, we, we went across so many undead stories of like things in the water. I know, but. I know, but that's the kind of stuff that floats into my head as soon as the water gets dark and ever has, or has ever since I was a kid. Yeah. Ever since I saw Friday the 13th and Jason Voorhees grabbed somebody and pulled them down into the water. It literally is ever since then. I have moments of sheer panic when I'm oh, out in the water. I know it is pretty cute. Like, I mean, I love you so much. It's so charming. <laughs> it's when it, it endears me to you. But like, if we're out on the lake late at night and mm. like, you you won't even like put your feet in the water. Yeah, it's just like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't like not be, I don't, I mean, yes, I guess I could look on sonar and see how deep it is, but that doesn't, I mean, you know, once it's, doesn't, it doesn't even matter actually. 10 feet, 200 feet. I don't know what's down there. I, as soon as you started talking in this tale or started sharing yeah. uh, about the Makes sonar, me feel uncomfortable like, just talking about it right now. That stuff creeps me out. 200, 8, 200. I was like, oh Ugh. no, there's something in the way. Yeah, and the ocean, what I don't like about the ocean is that any part of the ocean that you're in is connected to all of the oceans in the world. And it is like really overwhelming to think about. Mm-hmm. That some creepy creature, it doesn't, to me, in my brain, it doesn't matter where it's spotted. Sure. Because it could just then make it to any other part of the ocean. I know the ocean is so vast. Yep, and there's still like those trenches that they haven't fully explored yet. I feel like I just read a story in the past week or so about some new something or another that they found in an o- in the ocean. Yeah, they're still finding because it's so hard. Like the Mary, I always <laughs> I call it Marinara. Uh, <laughs> the, it's the Mariana Mariana Trench. Yeah, like the, like the deepest one in the world. Where is that? It is um, over. It's in the Pacific Ocean. Okay. And um, I want to say it's like, like, it's kind of like way out in the middle of nowhere, but like, you know, east of Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. but I don't know how many miles. Oh, yeah. I wasn't looking for specifics. Yeah. Kind of way out there. Trying to get an idea of where in the world. Yeah. I, I think it's like north, you know, a long ways, but like, you know, this is not really narrowing it down much, but between like New Zealand and China, like, like, like way <laughs> well, out there. Well, that's somewhere. That's, yeah. that's not between the East Coast and the UK. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, yeah. You know, a concept. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about those people that, you know, swim like these in, insane, crazy distances? It. And No, I wouldn't even want to watch that. It would just, it would just, I, I wouldn't want to be part of it. Panic? I, yeah. It's no part of it is enjoyable to me. Even when they have like follow boats with them? Yeah. I just like, I, I would think that any second a shark's going to pull them down. I mean, probably. And I mean, I, w- I wish I was more comfortable with that kind of stuff. Cause I'm I mean, not. surfing would be like way more fun, but it's like, and I just think like, okay, take creepy fish out of the equation. Take the paranormal out of the equation. I, I just would worry about like if I have a cramp. I know you're not a strong swimmer. Yeah, I've, I've never I've been a great swimmer. So I'm like, I just have zero interest in it. That's fair. 
That's what I was going to say yeah. about just like the ocean and the scariness of the of the being vast yeah. is comparing it to space. Like I feel like I would have a similar feeling oh, yeah. if I were like untethered in space. That's fair. Yeah. And, yeah. and I feel like also it's scary too because there's like a physical barrier between we are on land in this world. Yeah. And then as soon as you were like go into this unknown sea world, I don't know. It's like this tan or this like crossing of a veil type. Of, yep. I don't know. It's not our element. We're not supposed exactly. to be there. We're not, yeah. we're, we're not built. We're not built to be out there, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I look at it like, yeah, like kind of like what Logan's saying about space. It's like, yeah, that's going to be a whole new thing when we can really explore space. Oh, man. And there's been horror movies about that already and some good ones. But just that thing of like, you're just out there in the vastness of space and who knows what something from any other part of the universe. I know. Could come over some horrible monster. For a cool like hundred thousand no dollars, yeah, you can go to like you. There are these. Um, I'm gonna call it a spaceship, but it's kind of like mm. a cross between a spaceship and an airplane. Super high altitude, yeah, yeah, and you can like go to like the edge, yeah. you know. But it's like it's a very refined experience. You know, you're in like a luxury cabin kind of situation, with yeah. Gourmet meal. You're with all these other rich people, yeah. I want somebody to do it and report back to me. So it's not something we can do. I would rather do that than swim on the ocean. Well, why? Because you're in a protected vessel? Hmm? Okay, but so then are you then comfortable going out on the ocean like in a giant cruise ship? I know we're not cruise people, but just pretend um, that we are. Yeah. Like, like I don't want to go in a submarine. Actually, I think no, a submarine is the equivalent, you. actually. No, I'd rather be a high altitude plane than a submarine. So, I, you'd, so you'd rather be, okay, would you rather? Yeah. Here we go. Throwing it back to Is We Dumb. Would you, <laughs> would you rather yeah. explode in space or drown in a submarine? I'd rather explode in space. Do you feel like it would be more... Um, be more interesting. It, oh, I was thinking more instant. No, I just think that'd be more unique death. Okay. Drowning, I, I don't want to drown. I think actually, just to nerd brain here, yeah. I think if you were to uh, be exposed to the vacuum of space, it's almost like your lungs would start in, inhaling and you would just keep going. So you'd almost like pop. Oh, so it's yeah. almost like the reverse of uh, drowning. Yeah, I've read things about that. Like, um, I explode you. <laughs> yeah, kind of, there's weird stuff where you're like, it's like your blood would boil, kind of. Not exactly boil in but space. In space, I, I wish I could remember for the black hole episode of Time Suck like a while back. I looked into like what would happen if you yeah. were out in space just with no protection, mm -hmm. and they were basically saying it's not exactly like the movies portray it. You wouldn't um, just basically completely unravel because of a lack of gravity. And just be like, kind of like float apart, basically, like like nothing. The gravity yeah. not holding you together. Yeah. But it would be this weird thing where like capillaries, little capillaries and stuff, like you like would burst. start to yeah, like blood would start to come out. It's like there's nothing holding your body together the same way because there's no atmosphere, no pressure. But it was there was something about boiling. There was something about like the way your body would react to no gravity, no atmospheric pressure at all. It's kind of like you'd boil from the inside. It was it was terrible. Whatever it was was absolutely terrible. Yeah, that sounds horrific. In yeah. my mind, if you uh, were untethered in space, you would be just that. You would just be like floating, floating. You would continue to breathe, and then just like for like <laughs> a while, and then you would just like float into non-existence, which I know is not real. That's just like yeah. a Hollywood kind of thing. But I I would rather drown than boil from the inside out for sure. I would rather go down in a submarine. The thing is, is that, mm. well, okay, but here's what's tricky about it. I feel like with the space death, you may not see it coming. Like, it might be very instant. Yeah. It might happen so quickly. While it sounds terrible and painful, yeah. it might it might happen in the span of seconds. Or I feel like drowning, if you are in a submarine, 
well, those people that wasn't even that long ago that I know that you know and like somebody on there I think wasn't he just like some rich guy that wanted to go down there I think they went quick they went quick because they were but so how deep quick? oh I bet like almost instantaneous okay because yeah. you're because the pressure would kill you from being like so uh, deep <sighs> in the ocean okay well listen fans crush you listen fans I'll put up a poll on Patreon for yeah. our patrons and you guys can tell us be exploded in space or <laughs> Uh, be drowned at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, you're going to put that up there? Yeah, I'll put it in Patreon. We can okay. have a little poll. I'll make a little note. Poll patrons. <laughs> What's your preferred death? I'll show you some pictures while you do that. Uh, this, All right. Because uh, obviously nothing is attached to this claim, but uh, it did make me think of Leviathans, which is why I named the story that, you know, was it some ancient sea monster from, uh, uh, you know, like... I don't know, was it? Mythology. Uh, this pick is an 1865 engraving from the noted French artist Gustave Doré. He did all kinds of illustrations of monsters and stuff back in the day. Listen, Gustav, what kind of style of art is that? It almost looks like pointillism, but it's not. Yeah, it's like uh, um, yeah, engraving, but I don't remember what what it was engraved in. Cool. Yeah, really cool. It reminds me of like Logan would probably know this when like the thing is all black and as you sketch away, it makes it white. It's yeah, a, there's various like lithograph lithographs. styles. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, lithograph, risograph. There's all cool different styles. Cool. Makes me think of when we were in Amsterdam. Yeah. That museum we went to with my dad and Patty. The modern museum one or modern art? No, uh, no, 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 no. Oh, we took them to the Rijks Museum. Yeah, the Rijks. Thank you. I couldn't yeah. think of what it was called. And there was a, a whole like ship room. Like there were like oh, recreations yeah. uh -huh, of ships. And then uh -huh. there were really, really incredible paintings. Yeah, really incredible. With such fine detail. Uh huh. Yeah. But they were all sea monsters and yeah. Yeah. Very cool. This next one, maybe that thing was some kind of Lovecraftian horror. So this is some AI rendition of Lovecraft's Cthulhu. That's cool. Some ancient hyper intelligent monster slash god whose origin may be extraterrestrial, massive octopus like entity emerging after being trapped in the ocean depths. And that tiny little person watching it. Mm hmm. Some, oh, little, no. some little cult of Cthulhu worshiper. And then this, uh, this final one, maybe. It was Bruce the shark from Finding Nemo. Bruce. Despite efforts to reform himself, maybe Bruce is a mindless eating machine. Oh. <laughs> um, and that's all I got. Well, that was great. Okay, good. I, I like that they were both uh, a wee bit different. Yeah. And, I, and I'm actually, I'm very excited. Not that I wasn't excited for this um, week's episode, but I'm really excited to tell next week's stories. Oh, it, it's okay that some weeks make you more excited than others. Yeah, I just found such a cool old book from Ireland. Oh, yeah, you were telling me about that. True Ghost Stories from 1914. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Do you want to have Crochetla or I'll do, Baby? <laughs> I'll do Crochetla. I love yeah. her. Mm -hmm, me too, so soft. So soft. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're ready to dive into my one giant possible alien abduction? Yeah. It's a weird story. Okay. Okay. I let, expect it to be. Let your mind go. Okay. All right. Hey, Dan and Lindsay. Hello. Hello. I just discovered your podcast and I'm a big fan already. And I thought this would be a good opportunity to share my personal experience with being abducted by aliens. Before I get into the story, I just want to preface this that I am a believer in the unknown and the supernatural, but I also go through all of the logical explanations before jumping to conclusions. I have gone through all of those logical options of my experience and nothing can explain what happened to me on this day. I have only told a small handful of trusted people this story because what happened to me was so truly terrifying and traumatic, and every time I've told the story since, something strange happens to me soon thereafter. When I was 17, I was enjoying a quiet night in, doing homework late into the night. At about 11 p.m., I hit my threshold and decided to get some sleep since I had to wake up early for school the next day. After getting ready for bed, I had a bizarre feeling. 
I've always been a person with strong intuition and something just didn't feel right. My inner voice was telling me not to fall asleep that night, but I brushed it off and chalked it up to me being sleep deprived and a student with a lot of anxiety. Eventually, I got settled into bed and I drifted off to sleep. And the next thing you know, I was in an extremely vivid dream. It started off relatively hazy. My vision was blurry, my hearing distorted, and I felt very disoriented. I slowly started to regain my senses and what I saw terrified me. I looked down and saw I was strapped into a wheelchair. My arms and legs in midsection were strapped down, restraining me from any movement. I tried screaming, but I was paralyzed with fear. I started scanning my surroundings. I was being taken down a long, hospital-like hallway. The bright fluorescent lights were blinding me and made my eyes sting. There was technology around me that looked so advanced I can't even begin to describe it. The smell of the air was so sterile and clean, it was unsettling. The temperature of the place was so cold it pierced my bones, sending chills all over my body. I could see that the roof was completely made out of glass. I was expecting to see blue blue skies with clouds or a night sky with stars, but no. It was nothing but a black void of nothingness. Everything was so vivid and crisp, leading me to believe that this was no dream. And then the panic began to set in. My heart pounded hard against my chest and I broke into a cold sweat. And that's when I saw them. The pounding in my heart came to a complete halt. I was frozen and helpless. Three humanoid beings walked down the hall towards me. They were around four feet tall and had a sickly gray skin tone with no indication of blood flow. Frail bodies that outlined their deformed bones, completely naked with no signs of genitals or secondary sex characteristics. They walked on two legs like humans do, but they walked on their heels, of which their feet made their legs cave outwards in a twisted, decrypted manner. Their arms were so long and willowy, accompanied by large, deformed hands with only three long digits. As they got closer to me, I could make out more gruesome details of their appearance. They had no noses, just two small holes where a nose should have been, and no mouth. Their heads were large and misshapen compared to the rest of their body. The worst part of all were their eyes, those large, pitch-black, soulless eyes. I could feel those eyes prodding me and looking right through me. I don't know how I knew this, but I already knew they could hear my thoughts just by looking at me. My mind felt violated as they scoped out every inch of my mind with their horrific eyes. Once they finally reached me, I began to sob silently, but I was too scared to let myself cry in front of them. I just sat there helplessly as tears of horror streamed down my cheeks and tiny muffled sobs escaped my lips. One of the things began to communicate with me telepathically. Even though it had no mouth to speak, I could still hear it talking. It spoke in a different language I had never heard before, but somehow I still understood. And what it said... I will never forget. We will always be with you. After the cryptic humanoid whispered that thing into my mind, it held up what looked like an injection tool, something similar to what you'd see at the doctor's office when you get a vaccination. However, this thing was huge. The needle was five inches long at least. And in the tube of this tool was a neon green liquid. And this is when my fight or flight kicked in and I began to freak out. I thrashed around, trying to break from my restraints, screaming bloody murder at the top of my lungs. I was pleading for them to not do this, begging them to let me go. Even though I'd never experienced something like this, it somehow felt vaguely familiar. The emotions I had felt, I had gone through this before, and I knew what was about to happen. Two other beings held me down with a strong force, not expected from something their size and of their mass. The being with the injection tool took my left arm and pushed the needle inside of me. The pain of the needle piercing my skin was uncomfortable but that wasn't the worst part. The serum going into my body caused an unbelievable searing pain, running like hot iron through my veins. And then my vision slowly faded into a black mist. 
I woke up in a cold sweat, my heart racing, my body hot. I was shaking. I picked up my phone to see the time and it read exactly 3.33 a.m. I tried calming myself down, saying it's just a dream, it's just a dream, over and over. And after a few minutes of repeating that mantra, I calmed down. Once I thought I was able to fall back asleep, I began to get a sick feeling in my stomach. I was about to vomit, and I quickly made a dash for the bathroom. I was shocked at the amount that was coming up. My body broke out into a fever, and I was shaking uncontrollably as I lied on the cold bathroom floor, too weak to get up or to wake my parents. And that's when I noticed my arm. I had a huge, swollen red mark with a tiny hole where the beings had injected me in my dream. I shook my head in disbelief, refusing to accept the possibility that this could have actually happened. I called in sick the next day to school. I did not sleep for the rest of the day due to my high fever and vomiting. I chalked it all up to me coming down with the flu, and the mark on my arm was just probably some sort of spider bite. By the next day, I was completely recovered physically. It was as if nothing happened. The stomach or bug, the stomach flu or a stomach bug generally lasts for a few days, so I didn't think it was that anymore. The red mark on my forearm, it lasted for months. Bug bites usually go away within a few days. The mark on my arm scarred over, but I was so sick of looking at it all the time I got a tattoo to cover it up. It's been four years since this happened. Ever since that night, my health has declined slowly. My immune system is so weak I get e- sick easily and often. My menstrual cramps are so severe right now that I am often doubled over in pain, unable to walk. I've even been hospitalized for them a few times due to the severity of the pain. And now I'm experiencing fertility issues. Since this traumatic event, I have woken up at 3.33 a.m. every single night, and I always feel watched. I've learned to never look out the window into mirrors or over my shoulder when I wake up, that, wake up at that time. I hear a consistent high-pitched ringing in my ears, and it never goes away. It gets really loud at night when I'm trying to sleep. But the most bizarre part about all of this is that whenever I've spoken about it, something weird happens to me afterwards. I will suddenly lose chunks of time, have bizarre lucid dreams, see things out of the corner of my eyes, or get physically ill. It's like they don't want me sharing my story, like they don't want people to know. About a year ago, I was talking to my mom, and in the conversation we were having, I mentioned something about waking up every night at 3.33 a.m. I will never forget the look on her face. Her expression went cold and serious. She narrowed her eyes and she asked me, did they come for you? I had no idea how she knew. I had never told her this story. What do you mean, Mom? How do you know what I'm talking about? I asked. You need to tell me, did they come for you? She said in a serious tone. Yeah, I said. I knew this would happen someday, sooner or later. It happened to me too, she said. It did? I asked, shocked. Yes, it happened to me, your grandfather, his father, and so forth. I can't explain why, but when you wake up at 3.33 a.m., don't be afraid. You cannot let them have any power over you. I know this is a crazy story and you're probably wondering why I'm sharing it if something bad happens to me afterwards. Well, I'm sharing it because I assume at least one other person out there has had this experience or at least something similar. If you're hearing this story on the podcast, I want you to know you're not alone and you're not crazy. Everything will be okay. You're strong. Remember that. They don't have power over you unless you let them. I'm willing to take the risk in telling my truth if it means I'll be able to help someone. My experience traumatized me. I will never be able to fall asleep again peacefully. I'll have nightmares of this event for the rest of my life. But it did happen to me and multiple people in my family. I know my truth, and I want to spread my truth to help people feel less alone out there. Thank you, and stay safe. And then there was an update. Yeah, the addendum. Yeah, yeah. update. Yeah. <clears throat> update. 
I was recently spending the night at a friend's house when I had another encounter with the beings. It was a Monday night. We were up late chatting and watching movies before hitting the hay for the night. My friends departed upstairs to their rooms and I slept in the basement on the couch. After a while of tossing and turning on the hard couch, I finally fell asleep. Next thing I know, I wake up in the middle of the night completely paralyzed. I couldn't move a muscle and I soon realized I was in sleep paralysis. This wasn't my first time dealing with it, so I closed my eyes and started deep breathing, trying to remain calm. I couldn't shake the feeling of being watched the entire time, though. I felt all the hairs on my neck and my arms stand straight up as an electrical chill ran through my body. I made the foolish decision and opened my eyes, and what I saw terrified me. Those same exact three beings from my previous experience were standing right at the foot of the couch. The basement was pitch black, and all I could see was their dark silhouettes. Tears rolled down my cheeks as they stepped out of the shadows, the window from the basement illuminating their bodies as they slowly crept towards me. I did everything in my power to convince myself that this was sleep paralysis hallucination and that it was all in my head. This was quickly disproven when my friend's cat, who'd been sleeping with me, began to hiss and growl in the direction of the beings. Panic set in and I did everything I could to shake my body awake, but nothing worked. I tried to scream, but it felt like my vocal cords were coated in a thick glue, preventing anything from escaping. Tears began streaming down my face violently, my heart pounding in my chest. Not this again. Please not this again. I sobbed in my head. The beings approached my body, and despite the basement being pitch black, I could see their icy black eyes. I felt the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. My uterus felt like it was on fire. My pelvis felt like it was being ripped to shreds. The pain was pulsating and horrific, and it traveled into my stomach and down my legs. My muscles were twitching as the pain slithered throughout my body. One of them had their hands hovering over my lower stomach, projecting a strange blue light from its hands. The pain grew progressively worse the longer this continued. And then, just like that, it was over. I had blacked out from the pain, and I woke up a few hours later when the sun came up. I don't know what happened that night or what they were doing to me, but I do know that it was very real and it reconfirms the first experience I had with them. I have a feeling this is going to be an ongoing story in the story of my life. Stay safe out there, creeps and peepers. <laughs> so strange. Yeah, then just anonymous, right? Yeah, no yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is so strange. <laughs> I, I had two thoughts. I tried to make some like little notes really quick. But one was just about, um, you know, the injection. Mm-hmm. My mind went to like, I think a part, I mean, yes, I'd be scared. Yeah. If I like really thought like I was, you know, uh, not a dream, like, like they reference, you know, is this a vivid dream? Is this yeah. real? Okay. If I do think this like might be real, definitely scared of like what could happen to me by this injection. But then also if it's aliens, it's like, what if something really good came of it? Like, what if they inject mm. you with some kind of like superhero <gasps> potion and all of a sudden you have like telepathy or some kind of crazy power? That would be fun. Be kind of exciting. What if you could shoot fireballs? You can finally shoot wizard fireballs that people haven't been able to do since the Library of Alexandria was burned to the ground. I know. Mm-hmm. That would be an incredible skill to bring back. That's a reference, by the way, if anyone's like, what? Uh, it's a time suck. I actually don't don't believe that there were wizard fireballs. I wish that you wouldn't have addressed that. That would have been funnier to just, <laughs> just let that sit. I just like I just picture listeners being like, uh, okay, I know we suspend disbelief here, but that was weird to throw out as if, as if that's a real thing. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> the other thing I thought... Uh, was, okay, let's say, I mean, I, and I know that you said they had like the needle mark and they've had the physical symptoms and health stuff. So, you know, yeah. it wasn't just a vivid dream. But this just did make me think about dreams, mm-hmm. how weird it is that we dream. Oh, it's so weird. I had such weird dreams last night. I know, I, had, I know. We talked yeah. about, yeah, dreams and stuff. We both had like vivid dreams and stuff last night. Like so vivid, like so vivid that it woke me up. I thought that I was, I remembered another one also, but I, oh, really? for, I had one dream where I thought I was outside in the rain 
and that the dogs were like mm-hmm. chasing something. Running towards the street. So you Yeah, I was worried. freaked out. And so I woke up and I was like, ah, Gigi. And I was like, oh, I'm in my bed. I'm uh-huh, fine, you know? Uh-huh. And then I had another dream. I must have been worried about the weather because I had another dream yeah. that I was soaking wet in the rain, but that I was going to get a facial. And uh, the girl who does my facials, that I asked her if she could put my clothes in the dryer while she gave me a facial. Like, I must have been thinking about like my week, what was on my schedule, the weather, laundry. I don't know. (laughs) It was so, but it was so vivid, Mm -hmm. so vivid. Like I felt like I was having a conversation with her. And that's so strange that our minds do that. And I don't think they know why we dream yet. Like, I think that that's still kind of a mystery. Yeah, it's it's like, there's like theories about it that it's like your brain just kind of like- um, Like echoes <sighs> almost. Yeah, like God, I'm trying to think how to even say it. Just like like dumping out all the thoughts you've been having. Like- um, Maybe it's maybe dreams are like a process like, of letting things go. It's like cleaning your hard drive out or yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, but nobody really knows. Mm-mm. And yeah, it's just so strange that like we can be completely asleep in our, and, and it's like that they can be so vivid. And present things that have never happened. Mm-hmm. Just present like some movie. I know. I know. Dan my, had really sexy dreams. Last yeah, night. I had some sexy dreams. Uh, Good for you. <laughs> but it's just crazy that like that these little movies can be manufactured by our subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell is that? Yeah. Okay. But what if what if aliens can control our dreams? Like, what if that's mm. a thing? What if there are beings out there that can sort of infiltrate our brain? Yeah. And maybe that maybe like we're being abducted by aliens so much more frequently than we realize because if they can sort of men in black us, if they can erase mm-hmm. them or make us forget them or control them. Or some kind of simulation theory stuff. What if it's just part of like the program that we're in? Yeah. Is, is like our, our brain is kind of like dumping out like deleted files or or running hypothetical. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. The whole concept is strange. Yeah. I thought that this was so peculiar then that this person, well, I'm going to say they're female. I'm going to say she because they talk about having menstrual cramps. Yes. Um, that she chats with her mom and her mom is like, like this is like a family phenomenon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's a, that's a weird specific mm-hmm. detail. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. So this happens. So what, everybody in her family, like a certain lineage of people, they all wake up at 3.33 a.m. I mean, like, should you guys be calling each other and like talking about this in the moment? If I'm, should you? Oh my God! You should all have a big family sleepover of anybody who's still alive. <laughs> if I see what happens, if I'm an alien and I am doing like longitudinal studies on humans, yeah, I could see how it would make sense that you would want to study numerous members, multi generations oh, yeah. of the same family. Maybe you're working out some kind of like little genetic code. I mean, I think about like how we do with like um, our food, mm-hmm. with like cattle and and plants and everything. You know, oh, I like pay the butcher <laughs> that you. Uh, you know, you try to develop like, you know, variations o- over time or yeah. you try to like breed the cattle so that they, you know, produce less meat over time. What if uh, some aliens are like, you know, tweaking things with this family where they inject them and stuff and, you know, over time kind of changing certain traits to make them, I don't know, who knows More why. desirable to them? Yeah, more desirable something with their experiments. I mean, we do do crazy experiments just on humans in general, like stem mm-hmm. cell research, PRP, mm-hmm. bone marrow draws, like all these like interesting yeah. things that, you know, we're trying to advance science. Yeah. And if there's another group of living beings out there, I imagine they're, they need their own test subjects. Maybe mm-hmm. they don't have any lab rats. I don't know. And 3, 3.30 in the morning, kind of that range of when a lot of these things happen. Yeah, you know, like, like the witching hour around. Mm-hmm. Three. But uh it also would make sense just in a practical sense that if aliens were doing things to people, they would pick around that time because that's when the least people are out and about. If you're trying to be oh, covert. yeah. Yeah, and specifically like the middle of the night. Mm-hmm, where, that's true. Yeah, where people are like generally 
almost all people, you know, home from the bars, mm-hmm. uh, even if they have get up really early for a job, they haven't quite gotten up. I, I mean, I would guess that if you had to pick one time out of the entire 24-hour cycle of a day where the most people were asleep, it's got to be between 3 and 4 a.m. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just do a study. Let just do know. a study. <laughs> Let us know. Uh, yeah. And that's, yeah. All, and that's all I got. That's all, that's all I got. That's all I got. Do you want to do some shout outs or do you want me to go first? Uh, how about you go first? Okay, I would love to. I'd like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting us here, Scared to Death, Patreon. Come join us on Patreon. So much bonus content. So fun over there. And you get to hear your name. <laughs> Misty Logan, Heather Hitzman, Grace Lamas- oh, Lamasters, Andre Velasquez, Brittany Lutz, Dawn Carr, Emily Scott, Lexi Shepard, Jen Wennerholt, and Alex Scott. Nice. And I would like to thank the following Annabelles. We got Thomas Simpson, JX Hendricks, uh, Lainey Denton, Connie Cercato, Amber Smith, Joshow14, Joshow, J-A Show. Okay. Joshow. Uh, Derek Davis, Kelly Fox, Cesar Argueta, and Old Man Grizz. Why did you feel the need to focus in on just show? Because it's just a, not a traditional name. Oh, I thought you were like trying to tell me something. I was like, I'm get it. Oh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you locked eyes with me when you said that. I was like, okay. Okay. I heard I'll, you. I'll, I, yeah, that's great. I like Lainey Denton. That Lainey, Lainey Denton, Denton sounds like an actress. Yeah, or like a news reporter. Ooh, coming live to you. Mm-hmm. This is Lainey Denton. Coming right, so right. I, I, I thought of a news reporter as well. Did you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does feel like some like anchor, like... um. Uh, welcome to tonight's report. This is Lainey Denton reporting for WXPR, you know, like whatever. Lady, uh, Lainey Denton. What did I say, lady? You said L- Lainey Denton. Lainey Denton. I meant to say Listen, Lainey you can't Denton. say names right. All I right? know, apparently. I know I just heard about the whole um, you guys are, Willem. You guys are furious Willem about Willem Dafoe. Dafoe. I actually, if it wouldn't, wouldn't have been for this debacle, I would not know that his name was Willem. Well, his name is William. He changed it. I know. He was born, but like, you know, he has been going by Willem apparently. Literally never, my brain <laughs> just converted whatever I saw on the screen to William and no one has ever corrected me before. No, no. But I apparently, like, apparently we have a lot of Willem Dafoe diehard fans. Apparently you guys were really sorry. Fucking Willem. Well, you know what? If you want people to pronounce your name correctly, don't change your name to a stupid variation that doesn't exist outside of you. Okay, now. But it is a funny thing. Like if I, if I went to like Daniel instead yeah. of Daniel. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and then spent the rest I of my that, life being but, like, "Come on, it's it's Daniel." But, but but Willem is a name. Like that's not. To, I don't think he is it. Yeah, I've never heard of another Willem. Okay, I'll find you a whole list. Willow, of Willow, William, not Willem. Willem, it's a name. Huh? For sure. Okay. One thousand percent. But that that's just like people just make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I, I was telling Dan when we sat down to record, I was like, we have some really angry people. <laughs> we have some people who are just like, I bet it's fake. We have anger. we have like some people. No, no, it's there are a couple genuine. emails of like, hey, how, how dare you? I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you? The president of his fan club? Is he your uncle, your dad, your best friend? Calm down. It's one thing to email yeah. and be like, hey, I don't know if you knew. And we did get some of those. And actually the first one we got, sure. I was like, oh shit, it is Willem. Like I kind of forgot because he's just not on my radar, nor yeah. is his name. Um, but I was telling Dan, I was like going off. I'm like, do you know how many times in a day someone gets my name wrong? Mm-hmm. All the time. It's okay. Yeah. It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Names. It, it is pretty funny. I mean, I, I, I get it. You know, when people, I guess, well, I guess I don't get it because I don't get like, I, I don't get upset stuff. when people call me yeah. Lindsay Cummings. I'm like, there's no G in my mm-hmm. name. I, what amazes me is that after like seeing our names in print and then they send an email to us and still spell it wrong. I'm like, you, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, can yeah. Google how to spell our name. 
I know. I, I am very. Car- I don't care. I it's am, okay. You're just a human. Yeah, I'm very careful with like emails because I have used my name and some oh, of my email yeah. addresses that I'm like no G. I always say no G because uh, people just add it. Actually, uh, you know, I was chatting or texting or whatever. Like, but like uh, Whitney Cummings. Oh yeah. Uh, and I met her like years ago. You know, obviously same last name, but yeah. hers has the G. So yeah. like that slight variation. Well, it's not the same last name. Almost the same. I do. I think it generally comes. I remember looking into it a long time ago. Yeah. And I can't remember which variation was like the Scottish or the Scot Irish version. Yeah. But one of them was how it was in the old country. Sure. If you will. And then somebody switched it. Yeah. So I'm. I think it was Cummins. And I think I think most people who were Cummins switched it to Cummins. Oh. I think just to kind of anglicize it or whatever. Sure. But um, but yeah, like I was just going back and forth, like something about like our names. She was like, ah, maybe we're distant cousins. And I just you know, told her, I'm like, well, I, I wish I would have added a G to it legally sometimes like years ago, just because most of our, my mail, yeah. you know, like forms and stuff. Sometimes there's problems where your name doesn't match what it does on their database because they've added it incorrectly. It would just yeah. be easier to have a G. I know. It's such a silly thing. I get it because we're so conditioned. Mm-hmm. I-N-S, like you just want to put the G in there. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what I think happened to me with Willem. It's like seeing William so much in print. Yeah. And uh, and obviously I don't listen super precisely to when people say names, whatever. But um, I think I just mentally added the I. I think I just sure. threw the I in there. Yeah. I mean, it happens. I'm going to find him and I'm going to apologize to his face. I'm like, He's from Wisconsin. You can probably find him there. I bet, I bet I did learn that about him because I didn't know that his name or that he was from Wisconsin. I because when I was like getting these angry mm-hmm. emails, I was like, oh my God. So then I started like searching yeah. or whatever. Cause I said to Tyler, I was like, he's probably not even fucking from here. That's probably why. It's like probably like mm-hmm. I was thinking actually that he was like Scottish or Irish. Yeah. Like, and he also has that look. Yeah. So I was like, oh, maybe that is just like how it is there. And then I we Americanized it, yeah. you know, but no, he's from Wisconsin. I'm just excited for the new William Defoe Canoe Reeves movie. <laughs> <laughs> Bill and Canoe together at last. Oh God, it's so funny. But also, in all seriousness, I yeah. love that you guys are so invested. Me too. Like that is. Thank God you get worked up. Well, actually, yeah, because it is actually so sweet. Like it goes to show, like not only that you care about the show, but that you care about us. Like mm-hmm. the, the nice emails that came in that were like, hey, I don't know if you know, but just thought you would want to know. It's like, that is actually so sweet of you to like yeah. take five minutes out of your day to email us to say like, hey, in case you didn't know, now you do. Yeah, I will say that after like the, over the years of so many, you know, pronunciation kind of like uh, messages from Time Suck. Sure. It, it genuinely has made me uh, a better speaker. Absolutely. I mean, I, mean, I have like, it's all in how you do it. Yeah. It's like I, I'm all for a constructive criticism. Yeah. What I'm not for Helps. is the email that I got last week that was oh like, boy. tell the chick to shut the fuck up. And I was like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. So you just don't you just didn't feel that that was constructive or I just didn't know like what year it was and <laughs> someone was referring to me as the chick. The chick. It's like, okay, I bet I bet you're in a really happy, healthy relationship with a, someone of the opposite sex. <laughs> Who let that broad in the room? Oh, we've gotten those. Oh my god! See, I'm like, you guys are insane. What is wrong would, with you? Go evolve. I picture, I picture that. Per- I picture somebody like 115 years old sending that message in. The broad mm-hmm. or the chick? <laughs> yeah, either one. Oh, well, you know what? If the person sending that email is 115, then fine, I'll take it. If you are <laughs> right. under the age of 60, you can go fuck right off. <laughs> oh, okay, that's our show. No, it's oh, not. Oh, the spoopy shout out. Sorry. Well, hey, we got distracted oh. with the Willem stuff. Oh, okay, good job. You got it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear Logan laughing. Okay, here we go. To Shadow from Siren. Happy wedding, my heart. 14 years together. You're the love of my life. I can't wait to officially become your wife. To Daniel from Savannah Banana. 
Happy 18th anniversary, my love. I love you so much. Couples that spook together stay together. Aw. I agree. To Ren from your best friend, Dawn. Thanks for being my best friend for 20 years. It's going to be at least another 20 years before you can get rid of me. To, Dref- to Jeffrey from Rachel. To my husband, I'm incredibly blessed to share a home with you and our fur babies. And to Frosty from Hot Lips. <laughs> Fucking, I love it. Happy everything. Thanks for putting up with my crazy ass self for a decade of mailage. Mailage <laughs> is what brings us together. Oh, that's such a good movie. Uh, Princess Bride. Love it. Hopefully the hot crazy scale is working in your favor. Oh, I love that. Like, mm-hmm. And to Eric Rome from all your creeps and peeper friends, happy birthday. Nice. And that's it. My name is Enigio Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. You just did that to Kyler last week. Oh, uh, yeah. Two weeks ago. So, so many good lines. As yeah. you wish. We gotta, let's, let's watch that soon. It's been so long yeah. since I've watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is our show. Thanks for continuing to send your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith for editing and publishing today's show, making that cool-ass challenge coin. Woo-hoo. Thanks to Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails, book editor Drew Atana, polishing and preparing listener stories for book number five. Thanks to producer Olivia Lee for finding the second story. Uh, I told us, you know she didn't. I'm going to correct myself. Uh, Sophie Evans did that story. <laughs> I was able to find the first. Sorry, uh, Sorry. Sophie. Sorry. Uh, we're on YouTube. If you want to watch the show, we're on Facebook and Instagram where we post pics that accompany episodes and more at Scared to Death Podcast. We have a private Facebook group, group Creeps and Peepers, full of fellow horror lovers. I hope no one has the croup. The croup? Uh, don't get the croup. Enjoy your nightmares, Creeps and Peepers, and happy 40th birthday again to the queen of bad Woo-hoo! magic. We the love chick. you. The chick. Happy 40th birthday to the chick who just yeah. won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> and we hope you are scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but have no home here within scared to death. Bad Magic Productions. Huge boobs. <laughs> like preposterously big. It's like backbreakers. <laughs> right, right. <laughs>